Welcome to the podcast of Trinity Episcopal Church in Vero Beach, Florida. We are glad to have you join us. Our hope is that this sermon will instill you with a profound sense of God's love and that you might receive and reflect His glory to your community. From the book of Acts, and as this, at the sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Good morning, friends. I'm glad to see some of you are waterproof. Um, you know, you may not know this, maybe you do, that when I was in, I went to graduate school for a PhD in industrial and organizational psychology. I never finished it, but I was ABD, all but dissertation. And most of my classes were statistics or science or something, but I had one class in graduate school on counseling psychology, you know, uh, therapy and that kind of thing. And it was, uh, the class was actually quite fascinating, and it was entitled, ready for this? The title of the class was Adjustment and Competence. Adjustment and Competence. You know, only an academic could title a class Adjustment and Competence. It was actually, though, um, and again, my exposure to uh, uh, counseling psych wasn't very broad, but one thing which was fascinating to me is that the class was taught by a psychotherapist who had <laughs> the most calming and soothing voice you could have. Uh, and the point of the class, though, was fascinating. The point of the class was this, that for a person to be well-adjusted, for a person to be joyful, for a person to be satisfied, for a person to be content, that person, listen to this, that person must consider themselves competent at something. I mean, think about that for a moment, and it makes perfect sense. For a person to be content and satisfied and be a success, that person must themselves feel competent in something. Adjustment, well-adjusted, and competence. And if you know people that can continually experience failure in their lives or usually continue to focus on the failure rather than the successes, they, they give up, right? They become these sort of shells of people. You know people like that. And the converse is just as bad. People that are equally, feel equally in, insecure and they strive and they're conquering and they're, they're always trying to one-up everybody else. They're ladder climbers. They are absolutely unbearable to be around, right? So what is it, here's the question for today, and it's a biggie, it's a big one. What is it that actually makes you or I a success or a failure? What is it? How do you know? How do you know when you're competent? How do you know when you're adjusted? And it's actually, you know, if you just stop and ask the question, it's kind of a difficult question to answer because it requires you to make a judgment. And that is, how do you actually define, listen, how do you define success? If you don't know how to define success, I got news for you, you're never going to find it. If you don't know what you're looking for, don't be surprised if you never find it, my dad used to say. So today we're going to talk about this. How do we, as Christians, how, does, how do we define success? How does God define success? In two points. How does the Bible speak about a successful life? Point one. And then secondly, how can you, you be successful? 
You ready? How does the Bible define success and how can you be that? So first thing, how does the Bible define success? You know, it doesn't jump out at people usually, and I've never actually preached this angle in Pentecost before, but it's right there and I'll show you. Verse 2, chapter, Acts chapter 2 verse 1 describes Pentecost. It says this, when the day of Pentecost had come, Pentecost is a Jewish festival. They were all gathered together in one place. In verse 6, at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered. Here's why. Verse 6, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. Let me hear that again. Each one heard them speaking in their own language. Friends, there are lots of ways to preach Pentecost, and I've preached most of them. It's the creation of God's church. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. It is God bringing people together. But at its root, I submit to you today that Pentecost defines success in God's terms. I'll show you. Point one, how do we define success? Well, see, Pentecost is actually the conclusion of a backstory. Most of the New Testament is, actually. Pentecost, the imparting of the Holy Spirit, people hearing languages they can't understand, is actually the conclusion of a story which began way back in Genesis chapter 11 when Noah's descendants decided to build something big. Anybody know what it was? We refer to it as the Tower of... You guys awake? The Tower of... Huh? Babel. The Tower of Babel. What the Tower of Babel was, if you go back and read it in Genesis chapter 11, the Tower of Babel was a monument. It was a monument, a mark of, listen, success and competency. It was something which men built to make themselves feel competent. Not to glorify God, but to glorify them. Right? Now, if you ask, you ask yourself the question, oh, come on, that's so stupid. Why would you build a Tower of Babel? Why would any human being strive to do such a thing? Why? Well, I'll tell you why. Because the people who built the Tower of Babel are just like you and me. The Babel builders, friends, are sitting in the pews right in front of me. And the Babel builders are standing here speaking to you right now. Those people wanted what everybody wants. They want to be successful. They want to be somebody. They want to be competent, well-adjusted. They wanted to make a name for themselves. They and you built that Tower of Babel because they and you want to be successful. They and you want to matter. <laughs> and it's not, that is not an intrinsically bad thing. The problem is, here's the hook, where it gets dangerous is the motivation of the human heart. The motivation of your heart, and God knows mine. So let me, let me just stop there and just point this out to you. You'll see the Pentecost thing in a moment. Here's a question for you to help you diagnose where you are. Why do you do what you do? Why do you do what you do? Is it to glorify God, your Father, who created you? Or is it to glorify you? Because, see, when I read Genesis chapter 11, what I read about those tower builders in Babel, 
was to make a tower to glorify themselves, literally to reach God on their tombs, to prove their worth, their success, their power on their own terms, or to, to quote Frank Sinatra, to do it my way, right? And see, here's the, here's the funny thing. If you know Genesis chapter 11, as these men are building a tower to prove themselves as a mark of competence and success, God sees their efforts to literally be God, to meet God on their terms rather than meeting God on his terms, and he thwarts their effort. Do you know the story in Genesis chapter 11? What does he do? God says, oh no you don't, and he thwarts their effort to build the Tower of Babel, listen, by confusing their speech, by introducing different languages. In other words, God sees what they're doing, and God literally thwarts works against them. Now, for lots of people, that sounds odd. I thought Jesus was nice. I thought God was always friendly. Well, <laughs> look, look, God, listen, listen, stay with me. God does not thwart the plans of the Babel builders because he hates them. On the contrary, God thwarts the plans of the Babel builders. God thwarts your plans because he loves them. James chapter 4, verse 6 says that God, listen to this, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. You know that one, right? Sounds good. That sounds good until you're the one being opposed. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. That word uh, oppose is actually a really it's a strong word. It's a Greek word, anastasso, and it means to rage against. It means to make an, af an active effort to stop somebody from doing something. Let me just say this. I'm, a, I'm not an overly complicated human being, but I will say this. If God opposes you or a Babel builder with something you are trying to accomplish in your life, you will fail. Me too. And I want to submit this to you today. I want you to take a moment and I want you to stop and thank God for that. What? Yeah. Thank God for that. I mean, imagine. Boy, I've got lots of fodder for this one. Imagine if you were successful in some of the things that you wanted. Right? Imagine if some of the things you wanted to do, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, last week, whatever it was. Imagine if something that God had actually made you successful in something that you wanted. I mean, imagine if you actually did some of the things you had planned to do, like, I don't know, staying out all night and playing pool in Tijuana, Mexico, and almost being thrown in jail, or something like that. I'll leave that to your creative imaginations. Scripture says that God, listen, and it's a wonderfully beautiful, loving thing, God actively opposes those who use their gifts, their time, their talent and their treasure solely for their own use, as if it was ours to begin with. Ask O.J. Simpson. Thank God, friends. I don't say this lightly. I don't say anything lightly. Thank God that God thwarts the proud. Thank God that he stops us from the harebrained, stupid things we wanted to do, which sounded great at the time, but looking back, you think, holy smokes, what was I thinking? Thank God that God thwarts the proud Babel builders, thank God that he thwarts you and me to save you from yourself, to save me from myself, to save us from chasing things that he knows cannot and will not 
satisfy what you seek. To save us from our self-imposed dead end. Um, did I ever tell you guys I went to Penn State? Um, I'm also, I also play the guitar. I've played since I was 18 years old. And I love the guitar. I love the blues. And one of my favorite singers right now, I've got several, Steve Ray Vaughan and a few others, but one of my favorite players right now is a guy named Kenny Wayne Shepherd. Anybody know him? Okay, Kenny Wayne Shepherd. He's a Christian. Not that that really matters, but he's a Christian. And he has a song, it's a great song, called Chase the Rainbow. And he says, Kenny Wayne Shepherd says, that in his life he chased all sorts of things, looking to prove himself, looking to be a success, looking for that competence. He chased, you know, the obvious ones. Money, he chased that. He chased fame. He chased uh, French girls, <laughs> according to his song, until he realized that no matter how hard he hard he tried to find success in this world, it failed him. It was continually eluding him. Like Ecclesiastes said, it was a chasing after the wind. He could never quite grab it. And in his song, Chasing the Rainbow, Kenny Wayne Shepherd says, if you are looking for the things of this world, you'll, this is the, the money quote, you will never be satisfied. You're going to chase that rainbow blind. See, friends, here's the thing. This is the beauty of Pentecost. That the default setting of the human heart is to achieve success on our terms. To use our gifts, our time, our talent, and our treasure to improve our individual circumstances. To advance our own pride, to advance our own career, to build our own stupid little Tower of Babel. But, but thanks be to God, Pentecost turns that whole thing upside down. Because God takes people like us and builds not the Tower of Babel, but the most powerful organization in the world, the only organization against which the gates of hell will not prevail, the church. And it's not because of you, and it's not because of me. It's because of God working in, on, and through you. As Christians, we take a radically different view of success because our gifts, our time, our talent, our treasure, your money is not your own. You were never intended just to serve you. These are gifts from God that glorify not you, but Him. You know, Rush Limbaugh, whether you like Rush Limbaugh or not, I really don't care. But he used to say something which I thought was clever. He used to say that he had talent on loan from God. He's, he's right. Whether you like him or not, He's right. All of our gifts are temporarily on loan from God. Friends, we are given them not to serve ourselves, but to serve others and thereby give God glory who made you. Look, here's the thing. I'll be honest, I'm just going to be blunt. God made you and he made me. And if you want to be a failure, if you want to be miserable, if you want to be pathetic, worry about you. Focus on you. Serve you. You'll be miserable, and nobody's going to like you either. But Pentecost, thanks be to God. Pentecost shows us that if you want to be a success, if you want to be joyful, if you want to be happy, for God's sake, serve. If you want to be happy and have joy, use your time, talent, and treasure, everything you have to serve others and glorify God. Because that, ironically, is where joy is found. 
Let me put it to you like this. If any, has anybody here ever been to a museum? I was at the art museum last night for my daughter Katie's uh, prom, and um, I'm not a big fan of art, I'll be honest, but I do like guitars. I mentioned that before, right? And this past summer, they had a display of guitars from like the Middle Ages all the way through today. And you ever looked at a painting or a sculpture or a 1962 Fender Stratocaster? That's a guitar. Uh, and you, or listen to music or pick up, look at your kid's hand when they're born and just marvel at them. Anything, right? Anything which you just look at it and go, holy smokes, this is just, this is just, this is just cool, right? You ever had an experience where you just stood in awe of whatever it was and you were admiring for its, it for its own sake? You were admiring the painting or the song or the guitar or your little kid's fingers and you're admiring the handiwork of the artist? You ever look at a painting? You don't give glory to the painting. That's stupid. You give glory to the painter. Friends, you are giving glory to the artist or the sculptor or the musician or the composer who created it. Don't you see? When you use God gift, God's gifts, the gifts that he gave to you, you're giving him glory. It's like you're his painting. You are his creation. He put you together. He stitched you together. He put you in your life where you are. He gave you the Holy Spirit to guide you. You are his painting, his sculpture, his work of art. You are his 1962 Fender Stratocaster because he made you. See, your life really isn't about you. My life really isn't about me, but about giving glory to my Father in heaven by using the God-given gifts he's given me. That, ironically, is where true joy is found. You ever met somebody who was striving for success in the world, whether it's money, sex, or power? Usually it's one of those three or some variation. And they get it? You ever been there? It's terrible. I had somebody very close to me get to that point in their life and they said to me, is this it? This is all there is? Well, yeah, actually. Unless, unless you see all those things as things to give glory to, Use to give glory to your Father in heaven. See, friends, as I wrap up, Pentecost is about the Holy Spirit. It ain't about you. It ain't about me. It's about God. It's about God's Holy Spirit working in, on, and through you, of being the men and women and children who, into whom God has breathed and empowered his Holy Spirit, who gives us a charge to live differently to live in a world as strangers in a strange land, to abandon our own towers of Babel and instead live a life that gives God glory, to be Pentecost people, to find the joy. And gosh, I've experienced this firsthand. The joy that comes from using God's gifts to serve, of being God's, in one sense, his work of art, his hands, his feet, his people. Stop living for your own glory, because you will never find success in it. But, but, if you live and use your gifts and your talents and your time to glorify your Father in heaven, who made you, who sustains you, who empowers you, who encourages you, then that competence and that success and that I matter will never, ever be taken from you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. 
To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinitybureau.org and follow us on Facebook.